It's time to talk about Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. And now, here's Ira. My guest is Nick DiPaolo, who will be headlining in the Comedy Works at the Plaza this Friday and Saturday, September 27th and 28th. Showtimes are 9 p.m. Friday and 8 and 10 on Saturday. For ticket information, go to plazahotelcasino.com. And for everything about Nick DiPaolo, go to nickdip.com, and you can follow him on Twitter, at Nick DiPaolo. And Nick, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ira. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for getting up very early. <laughs> yes, you, you revealed my secret of getting up very early. Well, you're, we're talking right now, you're on the East Coast, but you will be in Las Vegas, obviously, this Friday, September 27th and 28th, at the Comedy Works at the Plaza, which is a new room for the Plaza. You're one of the very first comedians to be performing there. Well, my manager, uh, it's his room. My manager, Tommy, opened it, and I guess the soft opening, as they call it, is this weekend. And that I'm supposedly the grand opening. Ah, the grand Nick DiPaolo. After I said to him, what's the deal? Why am I not the first guy on the <laughs> <laughs> So I don't, know if he's, uh, I don't know if he came up with his own language with a grand opening, but uh, I can't wait. It's a, it's a beautiful room, and they, uh, you know, they filmed uh, some scenes from a casino in there. It's one yeah. of the old school hotels. Exactly. It's you an old, know, because you're in yeah. Vegas, so an old, yeah, I can't wait. An old can't school wait showroom. to get an STD. You know? <laughs> and it's an old school showroom, which is... It's wonderful. It, I think it'll be perfect for you. And of course, it doesn't hurt that your manager owns it. Yeah, he's uh, this guy is like I call him Sammy the Bull Gravano. He opens the <laughs> business a minute. <laughs> is what John Gotti wants about him. This guy is a hustler, and uh, but he, he he's been in it long enough. Uh, he's been in the comedy business. God, he was working in the kitchen of his dad's comedy club when he was seven. So uh, he's tremendous, a tremendous business guy. And uh, I've seen pictures of the room, and, and it looks like a place where, you know, Sinatra would have been. So it, it's, it's going to be awesome. I can't wait. Yeah, I think it'll be fun for you. Do, you. do you remember the first time that you were in Las Vegas? First time? I don't know. I've been doing this for so long. I don't know that I can recall the first time. Probably, actually, I think I was living in Los Angeles, and the improv had a room in Vegas. And uh, that, I think that might have been the first time I did right, comedy right. in Vegas. And it was, it, was, ugh, it was just tough because the improv had you do two shows a night. And it was seven. It was literally like a, a Saturday night to a Saturday night. Seven, seven nights of two shows a night. And uh, I'm not a gambler. And uh, it's just a long, long week. If, if you know, into gambling and you know, I'm into hookers, but uh, I don't even have that option. But uh, yeah, that, I, that's the first time I remember working, working like a, a, a teen slave, you know, uh, for, for you know mediocre money. But I've been back many times since, and uh, you know, I, I just love Vegas. I it's the only place you you can walk through the casino at, at uh, you know seven in the morning. I remember doing this. They're going to pick me up to do morning radio. You know, and you see, I see like a 75-year-old guy in a members-only jacket, <laughs> you know, drinking a Heineken, playing the nickel slots. And I'm thinking to myself, don't you have to be a little bit lucky when you gamble? What makes this guy think he's ever been lucky? <laughs> the guy's got dirty sneakers on. He's 
75 years old. It's like, I mean, what are you, you you've got to be kidding me. He's putting his, you know, grandchildren's college money into the nickel <laughs> slot. And, and, it's, uh, it's called it's, optimism. It's very depressing. It's but, called, uh, it's called optimism. Yes, which I have none of. I've never had optimism in my life. <laughs> that's why I don't gamble. I, well, I used to bet football on the phone <laughs> and meet up with a guy at Dunkin' Donuts to hand me a bag of cash, but those days are gone. Too. <laughs> are. You know, I've, de- I've done extensive research on you, and it turns out you're the only person ever to be born in Danvers, Massachusetts. <laughs> I have no clue where Danvers is. Where is Danvers? Danvers is, uh, do you follow football at all? Oh, absolutely not. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. You're really Jewish, aren't you? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, well, there was another famous Danvers, Massachusetts, is twenty about twenty-two miles north of Boston. It's on the north shore of Massachusetts. And the other really famous guy was a guy named Mark Bavaro, who was a tight end for the New York Giants back in the day when they won the Super Bowl in the '80s. I played football with him in high school, and uh, he might be a Hall of Famer. He's right on the fence. And, uh, but yeah, no, it's a, it's a, look, it's in Massachusetts. That's all you need to know. <laughs> okay, the funniest enough. people in the world come out of Massachusetts. <laughs> in my own, in my own defense, my wife, Gina, does follow football. So there you go. It's in the family. It's just not me. So there and her name's Gina. Uh-huh. That's right. Uh, she must be, she sounds like she's Italian. So that makes sense. Yeah. You know, I thought I was, uh, you know, I, I'm, I thought I was at least half Italian. I mean, I look like I'm a thousand percent Italian. I look like, I look like a head of garlic. But, uh, you know, we did that 23 and me. Turns out I'm more Irish and English than I am Italian. That's funny because your accent, it's, it's so East Coast and so almost Bostonian in a sense. And I know you yeah. have a, a background in Boston. Have you ever done that genealogy.com stuff where you try to trace your family? Or does your father just tell you where you come from? Well, no, that's what I just said. We, we, we did the uh, 23 and Me, one of those, uh, Ancestors.com. And uh, I think my sister might have swabbed my cheek while I was asleep. <laughs> it. it turns out I'm a little more Cherokee than uh, Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> 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 it must be. Yeah, so I'm, I'm more Irish and English than I am Italian. But you never know that from looking at me. It's so it's so funny because it must be really early for me. I usually hear those things when you said you, you you checked your genealogy, and I totally it just totally went right by me. So and then <laughs> and then you corrected me publicly, which I love. So that works out fine. Well, it's early, you know. Yeah, early. exactly. No, no, it's true. Now this, I don't know if this question has ever been posed to you, but somebody has to do it. Does your wife think you're funny? Um. Well, it depends. Depends what time of the day. <laughs> I don't mean uh, <laughs> I don't mean actions. I mean actually funny from a words perspective. Look, as you say things around the house, does she laugh or does she say save it for the stage? Yeah, well, I don't, I, I'm not too funny around the house. You okay, know? So fair funny. enough. Did you empty the dishwasher? And I say, don't make me laugh, honey. Uh, you know things like that. But right. uh, she, finds, she finds me funny enough, I guess. You know. Right. You know, it's funny. Culturally, I was thinking about this, and we'll kind of jump around so there's no linear approach to the show, but uh, it's funny that in another day and time, you would have been, I would say, considered more mainstream, if that's the term, culturally in terms of your comedy, but obviously where we are today, you're much more, you're actually now counterculture, which yeah. back in the 60s, counterculture yeah. meant one thing, you're counterculture now, and, and it's actually, it means the same thing, which is you're, the cultural establishment you are perceived as being against for different reasons and, you know, and different material, different approaches and stuff. But are you comfortable with that? I embrace it. 
I love it. I mean, to be a comic, you have to, you should have a little rebel in you to begin with. I would think and, so, yeah. And, and, and to be a comic, I mean, y- your job is to point out the truth and, um, you know, and call the people on their, their bullshit, regardless of what side of the aisle they sit on politically. And right now, it just seems to me that the, that the left, you know, they're the ones where all this political uh, correctness is emanating from. And uh, the censorship and, and all that stuff is coming from the left. So I absolutely relish this role. I, I, I've been, I've been, I've had the same point of view since I was an open mic the first time I ever went on stage in 1987, and uh, it's becoming, I'm becoming more relevant uh, after 30 something years, which is a blessing if you're, if you're a comic. So I, I love going after these sacred cows, and and um, yeah, I like to, you know, counterculture is. I was on with Glenn Beck, and he said, you were sort of, you know, he watched my special, said, you are like Lenny Bruce right now. And, you know, which was a flattering comment, but it's, you know, you... Did he mean that you were on drugs? That I'm on drugs, and I'm a little Jewish, and I have a big mouth. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's got to be be tough being Nick DiPaolo in this sense, because your comedy compadres, so to speak, are generally not in the forefront of challenging the, where we are culturally. And you are obviously one of the few that are, are doing that. How, what's the reaction within the comedy world or the comedian world? Because you're out there and doing stuff. Do you get along with comedians that take a different political point of view than you? Well, yeah. I, I, I know the comics are pretty good about that. I used to sit around the comedy cellar table at the, at the comedy cellar in New York City. Uh, you know, with a bunch of other comics who I definitely, I definitely knew they didn't have the same political leanings as I did. But, you know, we, we, we would be civil about it, and, and uh, it wouldn't even come up that much. Uh, but those are different times. That was right. years ago. Right. But, and, I mean, if, and, you're, if, you you're, if you're getting laughs, you're getting laughs. So I don't see how people would be opposed to it, especially fellow comedians. Yeah, no, exactly, and that's that's sort of they and they appreciated my my nerve and my balls. To you know, the comedy cellar is right on the campus of NYU. You don't get much more liberal than that. Um, but luckily, I was on a show called Tough Crowd years ago. Yes, I remember that and, one. Yeah, and people, that's where I got labeled kind of a right winger, which I'm really not. I'm, I'm I'm a stand-up comic who happens to lean right in his politics, but. You know, in show business, if you lean right on two out of uh, 50 issues, that makes you a Nazi. <laughs> so, the labels get thrown around. That, that is true. Yeah, they're the most intolerant. The left is just so, they've lost their way. They're so intolerant and stupid. And I think that Shane Gillis story, the kid from SNL, just proves. The one that um, just broke. How, yeah, yeah. How, how crazy it's gotten. And, uh, but I see, you know, people defending me my last special breath of fresh air which we i put out in may um god it's up to eight hundred and thirty thousand views yeah that's a um, lot they uh, can find it online or you can go to your nick DePilo, the website i gave you before which is nickdep.com yeah and you can find it on you i put it out there for free because you know netflix or and comedy central netflix i'd have to be a trans Trans Native American with a hair lip and a glass eye to get a special on Netflix. Uh, they're not interested in the white, older white male point of view. So I, I put it out there for free. And it's the best thing I've done in my career. People are, uh, you know, it, it's being brought up. Chappelle just put his special out. 
And uh, it's funny, you can, you can contrast the two things because we, we touch on a lot of the same subject matter. And um, it's been such a boom for my career. So, uh, you know. Well, do you, think, uh, do you think that you're because of the fact that you're at the forefront of what I call the counterculture in this day and age, that that's going to, the pendulum, to use that awful phrase, will swing back again? You know, people have been, have been asking me that since, I remember, honest to God, this is true, I was doing open mics in Boston for when I first started. I was probably three or four months into open mics, and somebody came up to me and said, you're politically incorrect, I think that, that that's where it's going. And this was in 19, circa 1987-88, and I said to him, I said, I think it's going to get a lot worse. But I had no idea it was going to get to this point where a guy could point to his penis and say, I'm a woman today. I didn't, nobody saw that coming. Uh, well, you've got I, people I, like Jerry Seinfeld, who is pretty establishment, and yet he can't go on college campus, or he has decided not to go on college campuses to perform. <laughs> well, I save it on stage when I do something too edgy for the crowd. I say I, I blame the millennials, and they're not all to blame, but I, but I say Congratulations! She's the first generation that finds Seinfeld's comedy too edgy, you know? <laughs> and even they laugh. You know, <laughs> you know that, that, that's how you know. But but you know, I, I blame. You know, uh, you see Bill Maher complaining and, and Seinfeld how politically correct it's gotten, and I say to them, "Yeah, well, you helped create this atmosphere. Not so much Jerry, but the the, the Bill the Bill Mars of the worlds." And I said, you helped create this atmosphere with, with your show and your left-wing extremism and, and, and your, you know, your bashing of anybody who is for the Constitution. You created this, this environment. No, not good. The, the chickens have come home to roost. Have you ever discussed so not, that with Bill Marham uh, directly? Of course not. You think he would ever take the time to bow down to somebody like me? Uh, you know, well, not bow uh, down, but just have an honest conversation about uh, the state of the world. Well, I don't so know him. I, oh, I, okay. I, I, I don't know him at all. And, and, okay. And, uh, I, I certainly would not go on his show because people always go, "Well, why don't you know?" First of all, they've never asked me, and secondly, I wouldn't go on. Why would you go on in front of a live audience that that are going to sit on their hands every time the right leaning comic says something funny? Uh, anybody who was on it who's even a little conservative looks like an asshole. So, you know, <laughs> if, if he wanted to come on my show or, or Skype in or something, I would do that in a second. Sure. But, and, 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 and look, I, I admire a guy like that. I mean, I think he represents his side well, but, but you, you can't complain that things are too PC now when that's how you vote. You vote in people that are for Senate. And if you're voting Democrat now, I really don't get it. I really don't. Well, let's take a break. My guest is Nick DiPaolo. He's going to be... Uh -oh, headline... what I say? Did I say something wrong? <laughs> no, it's, it's our halfway point. My guest is Nick DiPaolo, who will be headlining in the Comedy Works at the Plaza this Friday and Saturday, September 27th and 28th. For ticket information, go to plazahotelcasino.com. And for everything about Nick DiPaolo, go to nickdip.com and follow him on Twitter at Nick DiPaolo. We'll be right back. We'll be back with more Talk About Las Vegas with Ira in just a moment. There's something new at the Neon Museum. The emerging technology of light mapping brings old signs back to life. Forgotten artifacts of our past that once blazed in the Las Vegas night are reanimated in a dazzling immersion of sight and sound. You've never seen anything like it because there's never been anything like it. Brilliant, a Neon Museum experience. 
Performances Nightly. Join the experience now at neonmuseum.org. Now let's get back to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Welcome back. I'm talking with Nick DiPaolo, who will be headlighting in the Comedy Works at the Plaza this Friday and Saturday, September 27th and 28th. For ticket information, go to plazahotelcasino.com. And for everything about Nick DiPaolo, go to nickdip.com and follow him on Twitter at Nick DiPaolo. And Nick, when we were talking before the break, you mentioned your show, which is four times a week now? Yeah. On, uh, we put it out there on Monday. It's free to everybody. I do it live 11 uh, a.m. to noontime Eastern time, and uh, people can watch it then. And then we drop it again at 7 o'clock Eastern time, 7 p.m. And then if they want to get the uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday show, they subscribe. It's all at nickdip.com, and uh, they can subscribe to Patreon. And it's very easy. We made it very simple, and they, you know, they, can, they can pay a fee and uh, get the next three shows for the week. And uh, it, it's, it's, I'll tell you, it's picking up steam big time. People are subscribing. And I've added uh, since January, in January, I had 14,000 YouTube subscribers. And today, I woke up this morning, we're at 91,000. It's so, a big jump. Yep. Yes. Now, how did you decide to use the internet, the web, YouTube, etc., as platforms? Is it because you were getting frustrated trying to get out? Uh, regular traditional media, including some of the traditional social media channels? Well, yeah, because it's all left-wing, intolerant a-holes that run that stuff, and uh, they did a good job of keeping me down. I hired this guy, Tommy, my manager, about a year and a half ago, and he said, nobody knows who you are. And, you know, and, and I get people singing my praises, like Norm MacDonald, Louis C.K., for years, saying this guy's one of the best, and yet nobody knew who I was. And, uh, and again, because places like HBO wouldn't even give me a sniff, even after writing for the Chris Rock show for two years and getting nominated for an Emmy, they wouldn't even give me a sniff or give me a special. And, uh, you know, so this guy, Tommy, my manager, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. He said, look, I'm going to find guys that know how to use the Internet and, and you know, we're going to get you out there because uh, the comedy world knows who I am. Right. But, you know, right. but the but the but the rest of the world had no idea. Even now, I'm looking at the comments on YouTube. They're like, where has this guy been? <laughs> I feel like saying, where have I been? I've been out there slugging away. Where have you been? <laughs> You've been too busy going to Carrot Top shows. In the, you, know, uh, you know, where have you been? Do your comedy homework, you know? When you look at, not mentors per se, and I don't know if you've had a comedy mentor. Have you? Maybe that's the first question. I'll ask the second one. Well, the, the closest thing to a mentor would be probably Colin Quinn. He's everybody's mentor. Anybody that comes through New York and, and lives there and does comedy, uh, Colin Quinn has more wisdom than anybody you've ever met. He's street smart. He grew up in Brooklyn. Um, he came up with a tough crowd idea. And um, he's the closest thing to a mentor. But I put the blinders on. I, 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 I do my own thing. I don't watch other com- Even when I was younger, I, I wouldn't watch other comics. I didn't want to know. I just wanted to do my own thing, not you know, be... I mean, as a kid, I was influenced by, you know, when I was a kid, I was in, you know, I'd watch a Johnny Carson monologues when I was 10 and, and uh, I'd see Jay Leno as a stand-up comic and, and uh, you know, uh, Robert Klein, I love. Those guys, we all have influence. Obviously, Pryor and Carlin's albums when I was a young kid, I loved. But as far as once I started doing this for a living, I sort of stayed in my own lane. 
And I've been waiting for this wave to break, this political correctness to break my way. And uh, thank God Trump came along and kicked the door open. And uh, so, you know, between that and this guy, I hired Tommy as my manager. It, it's things that taken off. And we hired a bunch of guys who not to market me on the Internet. So, yeah, that's a whole new um, world now. Well, it's, it's not, a whole new yeah, world. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, it's been a world. It should, I shouldn't say a whole new world in general. It's a whole new world for you because the Internet obviously has been around in a while. But the fact that you right. could do it independently. I, I was just thinking you mentioned earlier. Uh, about Lenny Bruce, but I'm also thinking of another comedian uh, historically and culturally. That would be Mort Saul. Did you ever listen to any of the yes. Mort Saul material? Yes. Because I could see some of Mort Saul in you as well. Yeah, I, I you know it's funny. I I, I listen on uh, in my car once in a while. I'll put on Sirius Satellite Radio when I uh, I'm in the boondocks and I can't get music. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Mort Saul was very. He had very long setups. And very, very dry, but very, um, you know, there was a different time back then. You could take five minutes to set up a joke before you deliver the punchline. But today, people have the attention span of crack babies. I'm not as political as a Mortsal. That's what I tell, I tell people. Don't come out thinking you're going to get like a right-wing Bill Maher, because I'm not. Colin Quinn summed it up best, and I've said this in every interview for the last 10 years. I said to Colin, I said, they keep trying to pigeonhole me as a conservative comic. And I said, I'm not. And he says, no, you're not conservative. But he says, but he says, Nick, when you, you could be telling a joke about McDonald's and people can tell how you voted. <laughs> <laughs> so it's more a point of view, so to speak. Yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. point. Exactly. It's a point of yeah. view. And it's more macro. It's more cultural, you know, than, than uh, political. You're not going to hear me talking about uh, the farm bill they're trying to pass on the <laughs> floor. Oh, I think that's, that's great God. comic material. Why don't you talk about the farm bill? Well, I mean, because be people at midnight in Vegas with three drinks don't want to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you answered my question that I asked a while back. And maybe because I'm so tired, I can't remember that you answered it. But here, here's what it was. Will the yep. pendulum swing back? Oh, Boy, I avoided that like a politician on Meet the Press. Yeah, but here we go. See, I remembered it, even though I was tired. I remember. I got to come back to that question. I, I don't. It's a it, no. It's a, that is a that is a fifty million dollar question, and I, you know, even with this Shane Gillis thing, this latest story about him being booted for you know making a couple of bigoted saying a couple of bigoted words on a podcast that nobody hears, um, and people, I, I noticed a few more people coming out in his defense. Um, yes, I, I, to be honest with you, and thank God Chappelle, who's very famous, and so there were millions of eyes watching his special, um, yes, we're, we're, we're making a little bit of a dent in, in the, uh, you know, the, the PC journalists say that the social justice warriors are getting upset because there's some pushback, but it won't make a total, the pendulum is not going to come all the way back, Ira. Uh, until the mainstream media isn't 95% liberal. Uh, that has to change first. And that's like turning a cruise ship around. That's going to take forever. As long as they have the microphone and the blowhorns and, and, and they control social media and Google is censoring people like me and Steven Crowder, yeah, it's going to take a long time. To, uh, to, to have it swing all the way back. Let's put it that way. So let's leave it with your, what you're saying is you're cautiously optimistic. 
Yes, and for me that's unbelievable because I because <laughs> I was I was voted and this is no baloney. I was voted class pessimist in high school. <laughs> <laughs> and you can look it up in the damn yearbook. They made a superlative Nick Apollo class pessimist <laughs> <laughs> at, at, at age eighteen. Uh, but you're uh, <laughs> let's say you're un. <laughs> I'm a say, realist. Yeah, you're cautiously optimistic, but uncautiously funny. There you go. I love it. Let's end it on that. My guest has been Nick DiPaolo. He's going to be headlining in the Comedy Works at the Plaza this Friday and Saturday, September 27th and 28th. Showtimes are 9 p.m. Friday and 8 and 10 p.m. Saturday. For ticket information, go to plazahotelcasino.com. And for everything about Nick DiPaolo, you can go to nickdip.com and follow him on Twitter at Nick DiPaolo. Don't forget the radio show and, of course, his latest Breath of Fresh Air free online. So, Nick, thanks for being on the show. Ira, thank you so much. I enjoyed it. Pleasure. See you next time. You've been listening to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. Anything you want us to be.